Our Old Testament reading from this, for this evening is from Genesis 15, reading the first six verses. So Genesis chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you do for me, since I remain childless, and the one who inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son, who is your own flesh and blood, will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Our New Testament reading comes from Revelation chapter 7. And we'll be reading from verse 9 through to the end of the chapter. So Revelation chapter 7, beginning at verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where do they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are those who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Here ends our readings. Thanks again for the invite. Uh, Rodney extended that to me a few weeks back, and it's a privilege to be here. Uh, we also, at DAPTO Baptist, are thankful for the good relationship between this church and DAPTO, and uh, we're thankful that you've provided speakers for us and continue to support us in different ways. Uh, last year, John Vidler came and spoke at our uh, church anniversary, and we, sh we heard a little bit about this uh, home church movement in Bangladesh. I just want to share with you some encouraging things that uh, the Lord's doing at DAPTO. Um, we do have a functioning eldership now. We've had that for a couple of years, and that's great. I have great support from uh, two other elders. And then we have four deacons, so the work's going well. Um, we're generally in good heart, 
and uh, I just did a bit of analysis this week, and uh, half our people have come in the last five years. So we're not a big church, but we're seeing uh, change, and uh, we're doing well. They um, are able to support me full-time now, um, so that, that's, that's been encouraging for me personally. So uh, we're, we're very grateful for the church there. Let's pray, and then we'll turn to God's word. Uh, Holy Father, we thank you that... Um, your Holy Spirit has always been working in this world from creation. We thank you that he was so active in the ministry, the conception and the birth and the, and the ministry of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the work of your Holy Spirit in giving us um, your word, the scriptures. And we pray that this same Holy Spirit will now speak to all our hearts um, through what we uh, have read and what we consider in the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our subject is the plan completed. And uh, I want to share a story about from sports. We all, hopefully, we all like sports. I like watching sports. And uh, when you see people who train at the elite level, you do have to admire them for the incredible amount of um, sacrifice that they put in and discipline that they put in to, to win. And uh, this story is told of an athlete who was interviewed after winning a 42-kilometre marathon. And the journalist stuck a microphone under the poor person's face and said, how did you feel after the 20-kilometre mark? And the, the athlete said, well, I was going really well. Everything was going smoothly and uh, was going well. And the journalist said, well, how did you feel after the 40-kilometre mark? And the athlete, of course, said, oh, I, was, I was exhausted. He says, every, every muscle and joint ate and I wanted to give up. And so the logical question is, well, what kept you going to finish that last section? And the athlete simply said, it was the picture of coming into the arena to hear the applause of the crowd and then, of course, to get the medal. So it was the dream of winning. It's the, that thought of, of succeeding, of getting, of being successful, of finishing and finishing well. Now, that's at the human level. We want to look at what God is doing. And, of course, God is not an athlete. He's not competing. He's not competing with us. He's not competing with anything else. He is the sovereign Lord. And uh, yet, through the scriptures, he has shown us that he has plans. He has plans and he wants to win. But he's not winning medals. He's winning the hearts of people, people from all over the world and throughout history. And he has a plan to have them with him in eternity, in glory. Now, this plan is right there from the first book of the Bible right through to the end. We're going to focus on the end, but remember that it was there right at the beginning. God said to Abram, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, through one man. It's taken a long time, but God has, was bringing that into being. The prophet Isaiah said, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, that's the Lord of Israel, that tiny little country. And yet, God promised that the earth would be full of, the, of, his, of the, his knowledge. And then, of course, Jesus. Jesus had a world vision. And when he cleared the temple uh, in Mark 11, we read that he, he really was upset with the Jews. And he said, is it not written, he's quoting Isaiah, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for the Jews? Primarily, but not all, not exclusively. A prayer, a house of prayer for all nations. So they had the court of the Gentiles, but the Jews had turned it into a marketplace. And that's what upset Jesus. 
That's what upset Jesus. My house shall be called, my temple shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Gentiles, some Gentiles were coming, but they were just being fleeced and robbed. Jesus predicted his message would go worldwide. Matthew 24. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. He told his apostles, go to the uttermost parts of the world. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power and go out. And they have been going out. Slowly, slowly, the gospel seemed to be locked up in Europe for an awful long time. But enormous strides have been made in the last century. Let's look a little bit, a little bit more closely at this uh, passage in Revelation chapter 7. And I've called it the plan completed the book of Revelation is a very difficult book, um, and yet I think that it really has a very simple theme, a series of visions, and it, its theme really is that Jesus is the winner. It's written to suffering Christians, but I believe it was written to encourage people to remember that Jesus is the winner, despite all the suffering they have to go through. Now, in a sense, we've just had... had uh, Easter, in a sense, Christ has already won the victory. We've got to remember that. Through his death and resurrection on the, on the, uh, death on the cross and resurrection afterwards, and then his glorious ascension, pouring out of the Spirit, he already has won a great victory. And that's why in the gospel, people can be liberated. They can be set free from, as it says in Hebrews, from the fear, from the slavery and fear of death. So he's won this victory, but this picture from Revelation shows where it's, how it's all going to end up, and he's going to have people from every tribe and nation in his eternal kingdom. So that gives hope to those who are suffering, because it can get pretty easy, or you can be pretty tempted to give up. This gives inspiration and passion to all of us, whether we're suffering or not. And we will all suffer in, in some way in this world. We can be active in the expansion in the Lord's work. We've got things to do. Vision has been defined as a picture of the future that gives passion to the present. If you know, if you have a fixed idea of what it's going to end up, how it's going to end up, you'll keep plugging away. A picture of the future that gives passion to the present. And I believe this picture does that. It certainly helped me in my own work and ministry. A closer look at this uh, picture, verse, verse 9, who is the eye? After this, I looked. Well, the eye is the Apostle John, who, uh, who was one of Jesus' closest disciples, called by Jesus to leave the nets, called to go out and uh, to serve with the Lord. He was there at the cross. Jesus looked down from the cross and gave his mother into John's care. John had his own brother beheaded in the early days of the church. John had been out preaching. He was a great and faithful uh, disciple. But he's now in exile. Many of the other apostles, of course, were martyred. He's now in exile. And where does he look? He looks. He looks up. He looks up and into heaven. Um, this this uh, vision goes back to 
to the beginning of uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Revelation 4, verse 1 says, After this I, John, looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. So you've got this picture of this door opening, and this is what he sees. The voice I heard uh, speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And of course, that's God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he has this vision of heaven. A very real vision, a picture of what is there in glory. What does John see? The simple answer is a vast crowd of believers who have gone to be with the Lord. The definition of these or the, the, the main criteria for these people is found in verse 14. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now that's a definition of conversion. It's a strange idea, isn't it? Washed in blood. Blood stains terribly. But it means to be forgiven, to be clean. So many have a guilty conscience and only the blood of Jesus Christ can make us clean before God. The features of this crowd, firstly, it's a great crowd in size. A great multitude that no one could count, John says. When you go to a, a football match or cricket match, particularly MCG, SCG, they will often tell you the size of that crowd because people have gone through the turnstile one by one and the computers will tell you at the end how many people arrived. And that's, that's often good, especially if it's a big crowd and it breaks a record. So they know the exact number. This number, from John's perspective, he couldn't count. It's just such a vast crowd. God knows each one. They've come into his kingdom by his grace, one by one, by the working of his spirit. He knows each one. He knows the hairs of our head. He knows the heart of each of his children. He is the great shepherd of the sheep, and he knows those ones that have come into his kingdom. This is a vast number. A vast number. And sometimes in Australia we think, oh, only a few people go to church, you know. Just remember, this is a vast number throughout history. In Genesis, we read of another old man called Abraham, and God told him one night to go and look up at the sky, and, said, and God said to him, can you count the number of stars? So shall your offspring be. So God promised Abraham that uh, he would have an innumerable number of descendants. That's just not just Jews. That's as people who have shared the faith of Abraham. And uh, Paul makes that distinction, or that link, actually, in uh, Galatians chapter 3. And it's a very important passage. Galatians is a very important book. Because uh, Paul tells us that Abraham's spiritual descendants are really the Christians. Listen to these words, Galatians 3. Galatians 3.6, Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe, believe in Christ, of course, those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. 
All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So do you have faith in Christ? You are a child, a descendant of Abraham. So I like to think of those two beautiful pictures, one from Genesis, where this old man, Abraham, looks up and sees the stars and is given that great promise. And then John, another old man in, in exile, but looking up right into heaven and seeing the redeemed in glory. So the size of the faithful throughout history is very large. It's the church universal. It's not just Westerners, not just from any one denomination or period of history. All countries, all denominations throughout all history. Now, we live in an age where people love to know how many, and apart from football matches, it's pretty hard to know sometime, except for the, when we do the census. But people want to know how many Christians are there, and it's very hard to know. Take China. People don't know how many Christians there are in China. They estimate there was about four after the end of the Second World War, three million Catholics and a million Protestants. Now, 60 to 100 million but how many secret believers are there in all those little house churches? Only God knows. The evangelical church in Latin America has seen huge growth in the last century. There's been a lot of exuberant over-reporting, but the reality is there are tens of millions of Christians in places like Brazil and Argentina, right through Latin America, and those Christians are now producing missionaries. How many secret believers are listening on the internet to podcasts, getting information, places like the Middle East? How many secret believers are there? We don't know, but God does. The church is large and it's growing. So don't be discouraged by what we see in Australia. Our country is the poorer because so many have turned their back on the Lord, but the church is large and growing. Secondly, the, the crowd is extremely multicultural. There's a great multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Okay? Extre this is the most multicultural group ever. Because God made all these people. He made all, allowed all these cultures. He loves them all. And he will have some from every tribe and language in his eternal home. It's a great encouragement, isn't it? Great encouragement to us to know that God will have such a, a multicultural crowd in glory, much more multicultural than the UN General, General Assembly. Every ethnic group and language will be represented. And of course today, by the grace of God and because of communication and travel, the gospel has gone out in amazing ways. The reality is, however, there are still, from what we know, still unreached people groups. And uh, you've just heard the statistics for, for Bangladesh. I mean, very few Christians in 166 million. In places like India and China, there are still unreached people groups. In Africa, there are still unreached people groups. GIA, the Baptist Society, works in areas of Southeast Asia and other places in Africa where there are virtually no Christians. And they have to go in um, undercover. When we lived in Benin, uh, we lived in an area that, where the church had been planted for a few decades. Um, but just down the road, there was a group that there was no church amongst that tribe. Now, by the grace of God, a small one has been planted. 
but there are unreached groups all around the place. The Bible says these unreached groups will be reached. And so missionaries and national evangelists seek out these people. They want to know and they want to pray and they want to seek ways of getting people there. This passage, the theme of this passage, is a driving force behind missions. Someone said, why should someone hear the gospel twice when others haven't heard it once? Jesus commanded his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, not just your own nation, all nations. John was there, he heard Jesus say that, and now he sees that fulfilled at the end in glory. So a very large crowd, a very multicultural crowd, a crowd that encompasses all cultures. And what are these people doing? They're rejoicing and worshipping in their salvation. They're with the angels, those incredible beings. They're there. They're standing before the throne, standing in respect, I believe. They're wearing white robes, those beautiful white robes. They're clean through the blood of Christ, through their, through their righteous status given to them. They're holding palm branches. Remember the, the people waving the palm branches on Palm Sunday? They're worshipping. They're, they're happy. They're crying out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation belongs to our God. Our God. The God of the Christians. It's not politically correct to, to be so exclusive, but this is what the scriptures teach. He alone has the power and exclusive right to save because he made them and his son has died for them. So they're rejoicing in the fact that God has a place for them in heaven. He has saved them. So they're rejoicing in God. They're not rejoicing in themselves. They're not saying, aren't we such clever people? We became Christians. We saw the light. They're not rejoicing in luck or fate. They're not saying, aren't we lucky? Aren't we lucky that we grew up in a Christian country or we had exposure to the gospel? They are rejoicing in the God who saves, who saves of his sovereign mercy and electing grace. Spurgeon said, all beyond hell is mercy. All beyond hell is mercy. None of us deserve to go to heaven. But God has decreed and called to himself some from every nation and tribe. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, to Jesus Christ. Now, other religions, they promise all sorts of things, enlightenment, and then if you do good things, you might get close. You've heard about suicide bombers. We've seen the wreckage. How deluded are they? Some imam says this is a holy war, so if you go and blow yourself up and a few other infidels, you'll go to paradise. Well, what, a, what a tragic lie that is. It's terrible. The redeemed in glory say that's, that's wrong. Salvation belongs to our God. So what they're saying by implication is don't believe these other you know, false prophets and gurus and imams. Don't believe them because they're not focused on Christ. Believe in Jesus, the Son of God. They cry out, we have made it to glory 
We can tell you that salvation belongs to him. Christ alone can save. They're there in glory, worshipping Christ. They know what it's like. So they would say to us, apart from other things that they've said here, they could say things like, we know how glorious this place is. We know what Jesus Christ left to come in to that world that we've just come from. We are here with him now. We know what he left, came out of that glorious place to come into this world to die on a cross. And he's gone back there, rightly so. Death had no hold on him. They would say, we agree with Jesus. When he was with us, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's right, they say. And we are living proof of it. Listen to us. We're shouting it out. Jesus and his gospel are the only hope. That's what they're saying through scripture. That's what John saw and heard. Okay, some final uh, urgent questions, some implications of this great passage. We've looked at that crowd, but what about you? What about you? What's your personal destiny? You don't know when you'll be called out of this life. I lost a grandfather at 33. I lost an uncle at age 11. I lost a cousin at 19. I drive very safely on the roads because of those sort of statistics in our family. You just don't know. This passage teaches us that death is not the end, that those who truly love the Lord, having run the marathon of life, will go to be with him. So do you have that assurance that you will be with that crowd, that you'll be one of them one day? Can you say salvation belongs to my God? If by the grace of God you can, look at those promises at the end of that passage. Great promises. Never hungering or thirsting or, or feeling the heat. The sun will not beat upon them or scorching heat. The lamb at the centre of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Some of you have cried. Some of you have said, shed a lot of tears for all sorts of reasons. And there's the promise. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Great promises. Great promises. So don't, let's get caught up too much with this world. The old song, oh, you know, it's a wonderful world. Well, look around. Look at the news. All the atrocities and injustices. All the pain. And some of you have experienced a lot of pain. Don't begrudge going to glory. Each day brings the believer closer to the heavenly goal. Paul said, I desire to depart and be with Christ. So oh, he was an old man. You know, he was you know, finished. Well, I desire to depart and be with Christ. I'd like to share the story of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was, who was an old man who had had a wonderful ministry preaching in London. And he was dying. He knew he was dying as a doctor. He knew he was dying. And his family called everyone together and they were into the healing movement. And they said, let's all pray and, and see if we can get an extension for the doctor's life. But he said, why keep me from the glory? Why keep me from the glory? He wanted to go and be with the Lord. And you don't know, you don't know when that will happen. So do you have that assurance of going to be with the Lord? It's a tremendously important question. The biggest issue you will ever face.
The second point relates to how we spend our time now, your worship of God, your own personal worship of God. So are you truly worshipping God now, confident that you'll worship him there in glory? We have the privilege, we have the duty of worshipping God. This is the work of angels. This is the work of the redeemed. We are rehearsing for eternity. Sundays should be the highlight of your week. Not something that's begrudged. And sometimes we're tempted, oh, Lord, I don't want to spend time in prayer. I don't want to spend time in Bible study and small group and worship. I would rather do something else. Well, we've got to get our priorities right. Worshipping God is the highest activity a human being can be involved in. And if you can do that by the grace of God, you should not neglect it. Thirdly, what is your attitude to those of other cultures? Now, I know this is a multicultural church, and this is great. And I want to encourage you in that. But we all know that we live in a very racist, very racist country. And you think, oh, no, I'm not racist. We're all racist. Sorry. We're all racist to varying degrees. Talk to some black brothers there this morning, and they'll tell you. Talk to a Sri Lankan lady in the doctor's surgery the other, way, other day. She'll tell you. Her own daughter is a trained doctor, it's trained in Sydney, but people will not see her at St George Hospital because she has dark skin. We live in a very racist country. As Christians, we have to take a stand against that in our churches, in our homes, wherever. Think about what the Bible says if you are a believer. You can say to people, well, we're all made in God's image. Straight truth. Think of this passage. You could say, if God will have some from every tribe in heaven, who are you to reject those whom God accepts? Fourthly, what's your contribution to the completion of God's plan? This is God's work, yes, but he uses people. He could use angels who would do a much better job than us, but he uses people. He uses your life and your lips. What's your role? There are things that we've all got to do. Some will be very, very active. They'll give their whole lives to preparing the Gospels. Others that will be, in a sense, a behind-the-scenes work, but it's all important. It's all important. What contribution are you making right now? Do you pray for the work of the Gospel? Do you care? that the gospel goes out? Are you willing to give? I'll be honest with you, folks. $5,000 from this church, sorry, <laughs> if, you don't get five, if you don't get more than $5,000, I'll be very disappointed. And I'll be asking John and Ray, Rod, I, I think you could double it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think from this church, you should be sending more than $5,000 to Bangladesh. But anyway, that's up to you and God. But do your best. And uh, I'm sure you'll be a blessing. But we should be able to do that easily. Easily. Give. And then be prepared to serve. If God calls you out of your comfort zone to do something to contribute to his work, would you obey? Would you be prepared to change? My son had to leave engineering to become a, a pastor. I had to leave dentistry. Would you be prepared to change if God taps you on the, soul, on the shoulder? I've just mentioned my son, but I want to conclude with this little story. Uh, he was recently ordained into the Anglican ministry um, 
we were very proud to go there. Uh, 28 men and women ordained uh, in St Andrew's Cathedral in February. But a few years ago, Luke said this to me. And it was very heartwarming. He said, Dad, the fact that you and Mum were willing to take us four little kids to Africa proved to us that the gospel was important. Now, not all of us are going to get a chance to do that. And that was a byproduct of what we felt was the right thing to do. That was very heartwarming. But listen to these words. There's something much more important than human example. The fact that Jesus, the Son of God, would come down from heaven. The fact that he would live amongst us in all the filth and, and rotten sinfulness that he endured. The fact that he would die, that he would rise from the dead. The fact that he is there in glory. That's much more significant. And the fact that he will have this great crowd around him. So anything we do for his glory, for the extension of his kingdom, is, it's just an honour. It's a privilege. And we should thank God that we are alive to do it. And we should serve him with every breath that we have. Amen. Someone's going to pray, I believe. I'll pray? Okay. Gracious God, we thank you for this great passage. We thank you, Lord for these insights into uh, the glories of heaven. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to give us that assurance that we'll be there one day. Lord, if there's anyone here who is unsure of their eternal destiny, we pray that by your spirit you will beat upon their hearts until they uh, come and bow down before you and give their everything to you, confessing their sins. And we pray, Lord, that uh, those of us who have known you for longer, that we will continue to serve you uh, willingly and, and work and give and pray and serve you in fruitful ways. We pray your blessing on this month for this church. We ask, Lord, that people will be generous with time and money and that this church will continue to be a blessing to the nations of this world. In Jesus' name, amen.